Oh, yes. Yes. Madness continues podcast. Here yes. we go. New York with Pilva T, Karen Margolis. What's up? We had to do this is number two because I got my feelings hurt too much. <laughs> yeah. This literally that's literally exactly what happened. <laughs> Bill, it started and I said, We're in New York. <laughs> Bill Bill said, he didn't even come at me hard. Yeah, but he came at you and Bill, who can neither read nor write, <laughs> has no right to mock you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, pa- I passed the bar as a dyslexic person, so handicap people, you can do it too. <laughs> By one point, and it's only valid in Alabama. You have to it's tell them the whole story. South Dakota, okay, New Mexico. Actually, actually, that's where we should start. That's where we should start the story. You just passed the bar. Bill Petit, Esquire. Yes, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, so I'm I passed... I'm like trying so hard to respect it. Yes, yes. tell the story. Yes, so, um, I passed the bar, um, but not in New York. <laughs> So it just doesn't count at all. But I, um, I, my score is passing in Alabama, Who cares? New Mexico, so what? Missouri, what? Minnesota, that? New Mexico. What's oh, New that Mexico? That counted twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, I can pass it like seven states if you, if you count some of them twice. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened was... Um, that um it's still a felony to call yourself a lawyer in new york no i can still call myself a lawyer <laughs> is it a felony to call yourself a lawyer in new york no 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 it, but, but, but i just always call him a felon <laughs> yeah no but it is a felony to hold yourself out as an attorney uh, and give advice uh yeah so you can't say i'm a i'm a lawyer i'm an attorney as an attorney blah 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 well as an attorney if people are relying on my advice in new york uh, i see yeah yeah so but in can- alabama <laughs> So if, you, if you need to know if you can fuck your third cousin, give me a call. I love that you actually earlier were like, I'm going to get a P.O. box in all these states. Yeah. Open I'm, a law office. Yeah, in South Dakota, I'm open. I'm going to be the first Indian attorney there. Oh, so you're Indian when it suits you. Yeah, 100%. Why be anything unless it suits you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you are basically white. Yeah, man. Well, you know. You, you should never say the n-word it's actually offensive it was fun to watch it was fun to watch the crowd try to digest that premise when you were on stage last time we were like, well he was talking about how he's like i, I, I think the, the exact premise was uh or the set the the premise was you're trying you're you're people don't believe you're white or like so people people believe you're white or something what was yeah. it you got oh um is uh that the 23 me right that's what it was yeah yeah that um it, at what point do I lose my M-word privileges? That was the bit. That, Literally, you never had. Uh, yeah, but like, <laughs> the thing is, I don't want to find out. If I'm 50%, everyone's kind of okay with me being like saying the M-word. Like, oh, yeah, but if he's 50%, that's fine. Yeah. Right? But anything less. If I'm like 32% black, you're like, no, unacceptable. I just like the thing. I love that the, the punch of that bit is you're like, my kids, no way. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I forgot to do this tag, but I was like, and how black do I have to be for my white girlfriend to say the M-word? 150% black. Trick question. <laughs> So so black that it made her transracial. Yeah, it's man. true though. Part of her was black when you were in it. Exactly. It has to be at least nine inches black. <laughs> <laughs> this is a conversation for boys. <laughs> Karen is not interested at all. In no, this. I love it so much. Yes, she's black when you're in her. Yeah. Somebody fucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't lean forward. I actually can't. We so Bill and I just high five, but I can't lean forward. Actually, because I'm in a chair that will fall apart if I move around. <laughs> it, 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 I've already destroyed one chair in Bill's he, apartment. He destroyed it. 
Yeah, it was not. It, no, it wasn't it, the chair's fault. The chair didn't betray him. No, <laughs> he betrayed the chair. The chair was doing his job fine. Yeah, and it just and, couldn't handle it. <laughs> that was like it's a, it was a war. It was a red flag to me. It was like, a, it was like an investment banker and um, yeah, that was a joke at the end of that. <laughs> oh, you do sound like a lawyer. Yeah. You, <laughs> and here, insert joke. You are an attorney. Yeah. It was exciting. So here's actually kind of what I wanted to talk about on this pod too. Is that so? Part what was exciting was you guys are gearing up for the show that knock on wood, which I'll do very quiet quietly. Uh, will potentially be on Sirius XM, which is really yeah. exciting. And that was really really fun to watch you guys record that. Yeah. Uh, that actually, and it's amazing because it felt like to me watching it as I was like, I can already see this. I can already in my mind could imagine people watching it. Cool. It was like really, really freaking cool to do. Yeah, and I was like totally gushing about how much I liked it afterwards, but it was actually really fun to listen to. And like basically, uh, it's called Love, Sex, and Power, and you guys basically answer, uh, I mean there's a handful of things you do, but you basically answer people's questions also on the radio show, mm. yes. which I thought was really interesting because I'd never heard the way that you answer those questions, which is kind of like dissect, sort of lo- using lots of different like uh, evolutionary psychology, frame control, um, you know, all these different, all this different psychology, you sort of break down those questions in a way that I don't think I've heard any other relationship uh, show do that, which is why I thought it was so fascinating. Thanks. It actually morphed a lot from our initial one. And it's even morphing more. Yeah. So, yeah, we added our, we had a guest host that we're adding as our permanent host, so we're going to redo that. Like, that episode was, was good but we were gonna even redo it from that exactly it's so different our original show was gonna be us do answering those relationship questions and then getting into a specific topic for the day so it was like you know and that's true it was like a very exhaustible thing like we would have just run out at a certain point but then you know we submitted that demo and they were like um it's a little heavy <laughs> you guys are comics so if you just like punch it up a little bit we're like yes 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 totally cool but the interesting thing was we weren't even shooting so that the comedy central people were like yeah they were need more jokes but we were actually shooting for another channel where it was like more about information so we were just like we're going to deep dive into we that we doctor filled the shit out of it yeah so we were deep diving and we're like our breakups and this is blah <laughs> Blah, blah, it was like, like months in the making of yeah. us talking about these breakups we were going through for months and percolate squeezing every drop of oh, yeah. insight that we yeah. possibly got leveling up and working hard and grinding whatever we're like we have so much to say and we did but it was just not funny it, it wasn't funny it was real though it was yeah. so real yeah, it was yeah. like a really good episode but yeah. it was super inappropriate for comedy yeah and the it's thi- a, it was a TED talk it, it was and the, the thing was that I think it was like more something that belonged on NPR kind mm-hmm, of than mm-hmm. Um, and even I'm like, so glad we did it. Oh, dude, yeah, because what you realize you probably repurposed that exact That's idea what I'm later yeah. or something else. Yeah. It was a re- it was a great idea, and it was also a great episode. I gotta uh, say, like, I loved doing it. What I think we realized through the process. So when we first started out trying to get this on there. I got her to pimp out her LinkedIn. You looked all super fly and yes. shit. And we, like, hit up some dude that or we're, like... And, like, the thing was, we had... Throughout the entire process of being completely incompetent at the beginning, we had 100% <laughs> faith that the show was getting on SiriusXM. Because, remember, we reached so out to... so crazy. It's so funny how much faith we've had this entire time. And we were kind of misguided at the beginning. Like, yes, we're trying to get it on the Inside Channel, but... But we're still comics. Like, really, that's kind of inappropriate to do, like, an inside channel thing if you're a professional comic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was, yeah, we were just, like, kind of shooting shots wildly. (laughs) And it's, like, working out. That's what I'm realizing about getting anywhere is that because I'm, like, really, really 
working in like a professional capacity now instead of kind of dicking around. Do you sure. know what I mean? Like I've committed. And it's funny because you, you look, when you look back at other people's successes or you look at your own way forward, you're like, all right, I got to do this. It'll lead to this. It'll lead to this. It'll lead to this. And I'll get where I'm going. And that's true. But that linear, like, like that, you know, forward path exists in this cloud. And we've talked about this, like in this cloud of other actions and energy and misdirection. Mis- yeah. like, you do this, you do that, you go off in this direction. That doesn't work out. Yep. So yes, step A leads to step B, but you're taking 50 fucking steps to get to B, yep. you know? Yeah, yep. you have it's like it's like this combination of almost like you have to keep this this avalanche of like momentum. You but, don't know what's going to be the thing yeah. that leads to the next thing. It'll be something. Yeah, but you don't. It's not necessarily. We had all these very specific plans. It's yeah. not how anything. Well, works. I mean, like we talked about this a little bit when like the way that like I think about the TV show. Like I've done this on the pod, talked about it a whole bunch. But like when I originally set to shoot like that thirty minute special or whatever that I made in Chicago. I didn't think that would lead to going to Edinburgh, and I didn't think Edinburgh would lead to shooting the show with Zach or whatever. But, like, all of that stuff happened. And it's strange because it's like you never know what those things are. They're going to end up moving you forward. It's not a linear progression. You guys are just... You just have to hit the wall with all kinds of, like... Well, of activity. We've talked about this too, where it's like you and Bill. I think you made this point where it's like you know exactly what's going to happen if you do nothing because yep. it's nothing and yep. it's very predictable. And there's something controllable and reassuring about that. Yeah. So when you get depressed, which we all do, you know, we're all creative and it's weird and it's up and down. Um, you when you feel out of control, you know a way to control it, which is to stop. Yeah. Some people need that predictability. Some people are really afraid of having anything actually moving around because well, it's too I'm, much I'm afraid of having anything too much moving entropy. around. But I'm more afraid of not doing a thing. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yes, I'm very scared of going forward, but I'm more scared of doing nothing. It's just to like relate this back also, like the other thing I want to talk about is like Bill Bill had you've got this this uh online course coming out which I'm super excited about and it's fascinating because you're collaborating with James on this a little bit. James Altucher, who we've talked about on the pod before. But when the way the whole way that this has come about to the point that it's at now you and i had this back in chicago met and had this idea where we were like we're going to try to do something every day we're going to reach out to somebody who could like change your life or like whatever that ultimately that pathway has led to like this project yeah like you, this project would have been made and then there's all these people probably who are going to you know obviously buy this product and then they're going to use it and improve their lives and you think like if we, you and I had never had, like, coffee that one time to talk about it. That would have never happened. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's so weird to look yeah. back at that whole line of, like, all of that all of that stuff. You never know the actions that are going to end up equaling this stuff in the future. A hundred percent. And one of the things that Karen says a lot and I really thought was really profound was, like, you want to be – you want to describe what has happened rather than prescribe onto the future what you wish would happen. Mm-hmm. And it's – You want to describe what happened – What has happened. Rather than prescribe onto the future what you wish had happened. Yes, and so, so often the time, like if we, if you get too caught up with prescribing, like what events are supposed to be, who is supposed to be what in your life, whatever like that, it actually um, catches you in a state of paralysis because as soon as you're going to reach a point where you actually aren't predicting what actually happened and that's unsettling. It's unsettling when our model, when we have invested a lot in a model of the world and then we are shown that that model is completely incorrect. Right. And so when you spend a lot of time prescribing on the future, number one, you're going to be wrong. It wasn't that we, we, we were operating with the best information that we had when we thought LinkedIn was the best way. Right. We were literally doing our best. Exactly. We weren't shooting shots wildly. We had thought it through. Yeah. Yeah. And it made a lot of sense. But if we had been overly attached to that, we would still be just hit. 
trying to hit somebody up on LinkedIn yeah. rather than exploring every possible option. Also, yep. we've had some feedback that, you know, what we I what we wanted to have happen was we record this demo, they go, oh, this is perfect for every channel, it's serious. Every executive wants to hear this, and then bam, that's it. And that's not what happened. As always, everything takes forever and is more work and more time than you think it is. So yeah. they were like, you know, punch it up, and then we did another one. They're like, okay, you can polish it up. And, yep. you know, it's just been, it's, that's not negative feedback, it's just feedback. But there's been so many instances of back to the drawing even after we recorded this last one we were like okay we're gonna bring chloe in our guest host as a permanent co-host we're gonna record this again with a new dynamic like it was immediately we didn't even have to submit it to series again we immediately mm-hmm. knew that we were gonna even do another thing yeah it's just more and more and more tries. yeah you said it yesterday when we were we were grabbing lunch after that recording you said that everything takes 10 times longer and is 10 times as much work as you think it is right and that's been true i think of the power bible that mm-hmm. you and I wrote is that like i think originally this was like back in november now it's like we were like yeah man we'll just like record this in a weekend and like we did it took more like two weeks three weeks to like actually do the recording Mm. and then transcribing then editing then like all of that and now six months later we're just getting kind of to the end of this process by getting the forward written getting the art done on the book all that you know what six months is not that long no it is yes it's long when you're like we're gonna knock it out in a weekend but in the ski people take years to write books totally and like what what was really and that's the thing why i really think it's so much more about not the plan that you have but the character that you cultivate to execute the plan right Mm -hmm. like so like instead of focusing on like what is our plan what is our plan because here's the thing is we're just trying to stick to plan we'd send that shoddy like it's a good. It was better. It was substantially better than our other version. This and, last one. That we yeah, did, yeah, but it but it wasn't good enough, and we could it intuitively. Wasn't, we knew that it wasn't good and, enough. And it, but if we're too caught up with the plan. Plans cause you to execute on things that you maybe shouldn't execute on, right. rather than just being like, what would somebody who's actually trying to get this done would do? Yeah. Right. And the thing is, is that a lot of times plans are intuitive when you have the right character mindset. Yep. I I say this is a lot of people borrow billionaire strategies without billionaire money. Bill Gates needs year, five-year-long plans, 10-year-long plans. Why? Because he has billions of dollars yep. and he, he can actually execute on them. You who just got done with college and is trying to figure out their life don't need a year-long plan. What you need to do is figure out how do I do the things I would say I'm going to do tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. You just need to start right away. Preciousness about work means that because you are going to have to expend so much energy to get where you want to go. And that's just true for everything. That's not a discouraging statement. That's everything that's worth doing is going to be a shit ton of effort. And more than you think and also differently than you think right you are going to have to change your plan a million times so the only way you cannot anticipate it until you start actually doing it mm-hmm. that's it and here's the thing it's not gonna be good at first no or even if it's good it's not gonna be exactly right like yeah. you know you want to start uh, like you know we're starting these youtube channels or whatever you know it's not gonna be great at first that's fine it's like i'm not like if you're really regim- like rigidly planning like my first video is gonna be this and my second video is gonna be that dude you're going to you're yeah. gonna give up the more you precious you are the harder it is to do it's yeah. the preciousness has no place in yeah. success at all you gotta just be like i'm gonna grind it out every day a couple on a day i'll do it i'll watch it i'll see what's good and what's not good i'm gonna make hundreds of these and yeah i'll figure it out it feels like a real when i have a lot of like a lot of comics on the pod and we talk about it it feels like a real thing that everybody has to realize especially when we first start doing stand-up is like it's not like you just have to accept that it's not going to be good and and can't be precious about your material because like there's so, so many comics who i've talked to who will say like I uh, I took so long to do my first mic because I wanted these jokes to be like so good mm-hmm. and you're like dude you're gonna get so mm-hmm. much feedback so much faster if you just get on stage or people who take bah. months long yeah. breaks you know don't do that work through how shitty it feels sometimes it'll yeah. get better yeah I you and I both taught game and did game and people like 
that would help me prepare to bomb so much. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. And, and mm. he, what I always told people was like, people were like, well, you should, like my first year in comedy, people were like, well, you should sit on some of your bits a little bit longer. And I'm like, why am I going to throw rims on a Hyundai? You know, like none of the, th- none of the stuff I'm thinking of right now is actually wor- that meaningful. And yeah, that cost me, people also don't understand there are consequences for being an artist. There are, right? Like, we were talking about this yesterday. No one wants to fucking risk their show on you trying to do some artistic bullshit. Like, a lot of people take it, like, yo, if you want to do, I do material that offends and that is not fitting with the culture. And sometimes it goes great and a lot of times it goes bad. Mm -hmm. You know, but the thing is, do I hold it out against the entire scenes of people where they're like a little bit trepidation about it? No, because that's a cost. You, you know, and what's nuts about it, you don't even hold it against the audiences. No. no. Like you get off stage not. and you're fine with them. Yeah. It's not their fault. Yeah. No. And, and I don't like when comics do that when they get mad. Well, oh, what this type of audience? No, the joke wasn't that great Oh, yet. you don't guys don't like abortion? Yeah. Dude, make it funny. Make it funny, dude. And the, here's the thing is it's like. <laughs> it, I feel like it's, you guys are talking directly to me. No. <laughs> I feel like I've gotten a real reputation. We've talked about this of like me in the Chicago scene because I'll get up on stage and do a joke and the audience doesn't like it i'm like what the fuck guys <laughs> well to be fair i don't know that about you yeah. so shame on you <laughs> yeah but uh, w- one of the things that like i think is really is um I- i'm t- check me if i'm t- pronouncing his name right mihili checks mihili Oh, there's just no way that's right. His, his name is Mihai Chexikmihai. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the term. Mahabu? <laughs> okay, so his name is Mahabu, right? Right. His name is Mitsubishi Honda. Mahabu. He wrote a book on creativity, and he said that um, the, the difference between artists and a lot of people who do like mandatory c- creation for like. Um, craftsman is is that mm. an artist loses almost complete interest in their artwork whenever it's finished whereas craftsmen <laughs> kind of are like really like oh look dude that's so tr- that's so real man because I feel like I I had like when I create a when I create a bit or I work through it I have so like us uh, I just did that road gig in Michigan and uh, Corey said to me Corey Wood is a com- comic who we know said to me afterwards he was like all your new stuff hit way hard mm. because you don't you don't really don't care about your old material anymore. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I just really don't. Like, God, when you're over old material, you I I I'm so sick of my set right now. And yeah, you were talking about this I yesterday. I, I like don't have new stuff that's ready to, to do on shows, so I've been fucking with the order of the jokes and stuff. I can't tell you how unsatisfying it is. Like I, I'm so over it. You really do need to. Just throw your shit away and write new shit if you want. Like, the way I look at jokes, especially when you're a new comic or even a new-ish comic, you're just not that good. Even if you're a funny person, your stand-up's not that great. It just takes a long time. It's like, I look at it the way I look at relationships between very young people, right? If you're like 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, and you're like, I don't know if it's going to work out, break up. Yeah. The whole point of that relationship is for you to practice, break up, move on to the next one. That's the whole point of your jokes when you're new. Write them, throw them away. Write so them I think that's so real too because I think that you have a relationship with your art, and it a lot of times feels like a very it's a it's a very intimate relationship, and in many ways it feels like a very passionate or serious relationship that you're because you're experiencing emotions as you're doing it, right? Especially when you're writing material that feels like it's moving in the right direction, like like I did. I've been working on this tall guy material, and a podcast listener will know because I've been talking about it for like months because literally <laughs> I've been working on it for months, mm-hmm. and. Probably two, two and a half, probably two, almost two and a half months now, now that I'm thinking about it. But, like, it it had not been working out until finally I started doing, like, like shows in front of real-ass audiences rather than just comedians. And right when that started to hit, I suddenly got so excited. And mm. it feels a lot like when you're in a new love or something like that, where right. you're like, I just can't wait 
to see this person or be with this person again or, or just whatever. And it there's something about that, but then it, but then it, it it moves past. It is right. it is a lot like a relationship. Well, my fav- one of my favorite gossip blogs, Laney Gossip, says fast flames flame out fast, mm. <laughs> and it's so good because it's so true. They do. It's like yes, you get so infatuated with your shit. Also, there's a component to it that. You feel lucky to have thought of it. It doesn't quite feel like you are responsible for your own ideas. Yeah, you because, feel like a conduit. Well, yeah, because you're not. Like, you, ideas do come to you. Yeah. That's why we have all that language around ideas. That's just like that, right? Like, you don't, you, yes, it's in your brain, but you're kind of not responsible. It's weird. Mm. So, there is this, and I, you see, especially new comics do it really new comics which is to cling to the idea because it popped up in your head so it's almost like from god you know yeah they're not all good mm-hmm. and you know that feeling that you have when you get an idea that new idea feeling can be confused with think with it with believing it's good mm. you have to try it out to see if it's good or not but yeah. but it's almost insulting when it turns out to not be great you're mm. right you're like but god gave it to me himself yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. how could how this, could not, this be not be good, be good? yeah, yeah. One of, sticking with it. Sorry, but go ahead, Bill. One of the things I think that actually affects a lot of comedians is they don't understand they're bigger than their jokes. And I see this because, and you know, I've talked to you guys a lot. Of, I think nerds took over stand-up. I think dudes who are actually not naturally funny took over stand-up and they legislated that you have to be super in a notebook to be funny. Yet I've seen those guys, whenever their jokes don't work, they're nobody. They're nothing on stage. Mm-mm-mm. And it's crazy because I've seen a lot of people plateau. Their writing's gone better, but as comedians, they have plateaued because mm-hmm. if the second it's not going their way, the second the host didn't do what they're supposed to do, the second it's tight, mm-hmm. they lose their self-concept. They bomb like a third grader. And so like a lot of times... Well, they need the audience to already buy in. Exactly. To be funny. And honestly, that goes against the spirit of stand-up. The spirit of stand-up is you make it work because you're funny no matter what the situation exactly. is. And that makes a pro. And that's the difference between indie comics, indie scene comics, and club comics. Is indie comics are they need the scene? They they need the scene, but they also like they're they're writing comedy like they're in theaters already, right? And everybody's like really paying attention to their stuff, right? Like but, it's their crowd, exactly. But they don't have that magic, right? Where you see like a Godfrey, like the, the, no matter how well written your jokes are, if you have to follow a Godfrey, mm-hmm. you're not gonna be able to do it mm-hmm. because there's an energy yeah. and presence that he's able, he's mastered that he can. Just, I've seen Godfrey. Sh- fuck up a set completely on purpose and pull it back up. Yeah. And, and there, there's no part where he feels like he's bombing. Right, yeah. And right. and so when I talk about, when I, I feel like sometimes people have amazing ideas for a joke, but they're not even a good, they're like, but I, what's about the right, you're not even a good enough comic. Like, like your, your soul, you, your soul cannot, you cannot pick up the sword. Mm. Right? It doesn't matter that you, you blacksmith and made the sword, you're not strong enough to carry the sword. And that can only be grown and, and really made better when you stop leaning so hard on your material. Well, I think that's also the difference between a craftsman and an artist, like mm. we were talking about. It's like, a craftsman will sit down and, and craft a joke and continue to craft and go through in a notebook and move words around and then get up on stage and read it. But it's, it's a recitation. They're reciting mm-hmm. things that were previously written. And it's not spontaneous. It's not. It's not. It's not. You know, there's a good art. There's a. Uh, there's a quote. I don't remember who it's by, but it's good art is recreated spontaneously every moment. It, it, it's it's experienced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that Picasso didn't create the painting one time. Mm-hmm. The painting is recreated every time someone sees it and experiences mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But when you think about that versus the idea of being a craftsman, especially when just using an analogy from visual art, you have to... The person who's a craftsman is someone who can execute the creation of the visual art in a way that depicts the subject. That's good. And in the same way, by analogy, it's almost like you can write a joke 
and you can move me in a handful of words and syllables from one place, turn an idea funny, and then hit a punchline. Mm-hmm. You can do that, but you're not recreating spontaneously the 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 experience of that joke of that yeah. like humorous thought on stage you're only reciting it mm-hmm. well this actually gets into frame because as a comic uh it's your job the reason godfrey can do whatever the fuck he wants on stage is because he has an unshakable frame mm-hmm. yeah totally unshakable yeah. when godfrey's on stage it's godfrey's room yeah you know it's godfrey's world it's mm-hmm. it's you're in it right 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 so what he says goes if he's if he runs a set into the ground, but he doesn't think he's bombing, then he's not bombing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? A new comic, the thing that comedy gives you is a strong frame over time because you have to, yeah. right? Because you don't start out that way. So a new comic gets the feedback from the audience and internalizes it. And then that because the audience knows when they're controlling you versus mm. when you're in charge, right? Yep. Yep. My, my ex used to call it, my ex who's a comic used to call it, um, he said that the audience was a headless beast and it was your job to be its head. Right, but it's like a beast, so it's like violent. So if you if you cede control to it, then you're gonna get fucked up. Yep. Like it's a, it is gonna jack you up, but it's also it's controllable. And mm-hmm. not only that, it wants control. Mm-hmm. People want when you're on stage, they actually want you to take control of the situation. They're yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. bombing is uncomfortable for everybody. Yeah, you know the audience hates it because they feel that cringiness. Right, mm-hmm. they're like, can you just control this? So I don't have to think this through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want you to pull, it's like the analogy that Carl Jung uses, it's like an elephant with a mahout, an elephant rider. The elephant's in charge. The elephant has all of the power, Mm -hmm. but the elephant rider gets the elephant to buy into where it's going, and the elephant benefits because the elephant just wandered around. It wouldn't get fed, it wouldn't get housed, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't get any of these things. And the rider is the one who knows where to take it. And the right. rider has to display the confidence to t- take the elephant where he wants to go. Well, to speak to your point about making the joke new again or whatever, that is that is really intimately tied to frame because you have to believe that it's new. Mm-hmm. And you know that it's not because you've told the joke a million times. You might even be sick of telling it. But in that moment, you have to feel genuinely like this is a new and exciting thought that you're sharing with these new people. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to re-experience the originality and authenticity of that inspiration you actually in the go moment through the, that yes. you're going through You have to it. feel the feeling, for yeah. real. And it's why we've talked, Bill, you and I have talked about this a lot, because one of the things that really fucks up Chicago comics a lot, um, both in, inside the city, but really especially when, they, when outside the city, and this is why they can't hang with audiences who aren't on board with whatever the joke they're doing is, is that they they're they're reciting this, they're not actually re-experiencing the spontaneous thought. Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't obsess over my set before I get on stage. I might look at it to go like, oh yeah, those are the beats I kind of wanted to hit just so I know that when I finish Mm. this material, I want to go into this material or whatever. Um, But I don't obsess over it and I don't try to obsess over it. There are times when, you know, obviously the word choice and the way that you say it is extremely important because Mm. that area of the performance just needs you to hit these beats in exactly the specific way. Just in the same way that, you know, a gymnast needs to uh, make sure that he or she like makes the right movements when you're on the on the parallel bars or something but that really fucks up a lot of comedians i think especially in chicago because that when things aren't going well 
they're trying to rely on this exact word choice versus mm-hmm. being spontaneous on stage and being authentic and being having an authentic expression of humor that comes from inside of you. Yeah, but that's newness yeah. also because new comics don't really think they're funny. You do mm. privately when you're with your friends, but when you're on stage and the wind is taken out of your sails, you mm. secretly don't think you're funny, yeah. and so you're not. No, and here's the thing, and this is this is endemic with open open my comments is they won't allow people. <laughs> I know I'm dead serious. I know. Yeah, I, know, yeah. I, know, no, I, know. I know. No. 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 We're laughing because you're being totally real right now. Yeah. No, but it's true, and it's actually one of the most disgusting things, and it's the thing that holds most of them back, is, I'm not funny, ha, 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 and that, like, whole, like, you can't even admit oh, that. that you believe you're funny. Fake modesty. Yeah. But here's the thing, it's a lie, it's, because you wouldn't even be yeah, here if you didn't think exactly. you were funny. And that, yeah, that, but it also loses trust from the audience, because they're like, okay, then why are you, why what are we supposed to I go with you? Yeah. But yeah, and it, but it's, it's even off stage. Everybody's afraid to say they have ambitions. Everybody's fa- afraid to say that they think they're funny. They're afraid to say they believe in their joke. I'm just trying to see if it's funny, you guys. No, I believe it was funny. That's why I'm fucking up here. Mm-hmm. like and the thing is is like yesterday it bombed right like i bombed you know and i walked off stage and i felt good because yeah. i didn't i didn't bomb mm-hmm. they, there were moments and they didn't they didn't mm-hmm. the audience empathizes with you they don't sympathize yeah. they feel what you feel right. and so like there was all i could have brought it back any step of the way but there have been times where i was bombing in the past even if i had been having a way better set before that and when it, the emotion sank and they didn't hit back there was no recovery because yeah. they lost trust in me as an individual yep. and that self-trust really i'm gonna be honest with you it can only come about from bombing yeah. and the, and mm-hmm. and that is kind of a freedom kind of thing well you just hit the nail on the head you're at a certain point your jokes bomb but you kind of don't no i, I here i'm still funnier than my set yeah. mm, way so funny. way funnier than my no set. and that's because she's so funny I, I wasn't talking about her set i was talking yeah. about yeah well yeah. I, and and so my jokes are fine but i'm better than them uh-huh. so when when you know so a bomb you know if the jokes don't work that's kind of okay yeah. you know what i mean yeah. it's like i can still make it work yeah and still talk to the audience like when people heckle me it's always to my advantage because that's really when i shine if i could just talk yeah. to you directly in the moment it's you're doing me a favor yeah. do you know what i mean so and and that's weird it's like it feels weird because you're so hyper aware of it like i am really aware that my jokes aren't as good as i am yeah you're well it's funny because it's, it's part of the reason that i think you get tired of your material is because you're like I, I've moved, I'm in this other place where, like, I know that I'm better than this. Right. Like, and, and, but even, but it's like, even if it might be kind of fresh, it's like, three weeks later, I've, I'm a new me right. with new stuff that I can right. do. So, uh, one of the things that Brennan and I have been talking about is that I feel like a lot of comics are aimless, and actually us too, mm-hmm. aimlessly building material right. for nothing. Right. And so, it's just like, for me right now, like, I'm, I'm not building towards anything. I don't give a fuck about a set. I don't. I'm not trying to get late night thing. So I'm not really building in a direction, right? So for me, when I get on stage, let me just test out some new stuff. Let me work on my confidence. But I want to shoot my hour or maybe a half hour by the end of the year or whatever, get it really well done. That that will help me buy in to actually sticking on a premise for a long period because of time. Because you need a solid why. I, why the fuck I, am I doing this? Exactly. Dude, yeah, stand-up is fun, but am I a hobbyist? And I'm, am I an amateur? Am yeah. I trying to make this a job? If I'm trying to make this a job, it's all on you to figure out what the job is, right? Yep. So it's, yeah, why, why? What am I doing? Is it a half hour? Do I want a club set? Do I want late night? Yeah, and, then, and committing. So that's the big thing is, like, you have to commit to that material then. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, if I'm building to a half hour, I've got to do shit that I know that I want to talk about and that is interesting to me, and I know can resonate with others, and I can find depth in it, 
and I can find ways to keep it fresh and interesting mm-hmm. so that six months from now exactly. or whenever, I'm going to be performing it again, and it'll be like the first time then. Exactly. And another thing I do with comedy that I've been tapping into more and more is I realize so much of comedy for the comic is state-dependent. What is your emotional state on stage? Sometimes I'm not in the emotional state to talk about a certain bit. Mm -hmm. So how do I trigger myself to get in that emotional state? Mm -hmm. And then another thing is not all... I, like, you know, you and I, uh, all of us pretty soon start having crazy conversations with each other because we're those type of people, right? But if I try to introduce some of the stuff that I bring up to you guys really quickly, th- it's not going to go that way. Like, if I'm talking to, like, a Jane from Minnesota, right, who went to University of Minnesota and it was in a sorority, and I'm yeah. talking about, like, yeah, man, like, you know, I just feel like porn is the greatest form of art, right? Like, you know, because I've never listened to songs so good yeah. that came in my pants. They're, she's That's going to be inappropriate to her yeah. because it's... She didn't know what she was getting into when she swiped right on Tinder. No, no, yeah, yeah. She, she didn't. She didn't know. But like, this is the thing: is not all audiences are built the same. You can't build up your set the same way yeah. every fucking time. Yeah. You got to lead them through. You got to be like, all right, it's everyone's like, know your audience. That your audience isn't the same audience. If you're doing a thirty minute set, the audience that walked in isn't the same audience that's in there twenty minutes later. No, super duper. Not and, the same. and so they're you, not even the same audience from the beginning of your set to the end of your set. Not at all. And if they are, you didn't do, do your, your fucking job exactly. So what's permissible is you have to test that out. You have to make them the audience that would accept that joke. Yep. And that responsibility is on you, right. right? And like I think a lot of comedians take absolve themselves of that responsibility. And this and the one one of the weird things on stage. I believe every joke I have is super funny. But off stage, I'm like, yeah, that, that was probably, I need to work on that. <laughs> you know? But, like, I hate when comics apologize for their set on stage. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm, I'm sorry, you guys. Like, oh, what? This one's new. Yeah. It's yeah. like, don't be apologetic, dude. Just stick with it. Like, mm-hmm. it, you talked about that one thing, um, the unsending of a text. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the, the unsent DM, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what about? It just, like, just stick with You can't be alpha and be unsending stuff. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a guy yeah, you're like, with this really sweet guy. He was really cute we like made out a bar and that was it and um he wanted to hang out more afterwards and it was like uh, you know i was a little undecided and he would hit me up and i kind of gave him the brush off a couple times it wasn't like a hard no it was just like uh i don't know about this right yeah. and then i saw he dm me i, I didn't click it yet because i didn't want to leave him unseen i just wanted to like respond when i wanted to respond and uh when i went back he'd unsent it and i was like that's it <laughs> that and, and you know not his, his a, not ego, a bad dude his ego couldn't take the the tension of him waiting yeah i, yeah. I that's can't, I, mm-hmm. I can't get it up for somebody who unsends a dm not i i don't unsends it for that reason right sure. like i've when when my ex and i would dm or whatever i remember once and i never noticed i, I don't get instagram notifications like the bane of my existence i don't know how to fix that on my phone it's just crazy so people can unsend things i have no fucking idea whereas if i do it i realize during the day you just see it you yeah. just see that someone on sunday it's like crazy so you have to do it in the middle of the night but what but one time we were dming and he was like um that unsend feature is like the shit right and i was like oh, you too <laughs> and it was cute because it revealed it revealed like an inner process that i hadn't been privy to this was very like kind of outward does that make sense where he was like it was clearly from like trying to save face or whatever yeah. Yeah, yeah. where with my ex it was like everything was like a little delicate between us so i understand the unsending yeah do you know what i mean it wasn't like a pussy response yeah i just can't with that i just can't do whatever the embarrassing dm is you just sent me 
it's been a day and just I probably fucking, saw just it. Just fucking stand by it. Just leave it. What's the worst that can happen? Whatever. I opened this podcast with talking about how like, I couldn't handle Bill, <laughs> Bill's like middle school tease at me. Yeah. And I, I folded totally. Right. <laughs> I mean, and but like the thing is, it's also just it's not a masculine thing. Just like it just own your shit mm-hmm. that, and, and stay there. And um, also because, but you're you're making a masculine ask of people mm. in stand up. You are asking in a masculine. You're asking people to. You're not asking. That's the thing. You're telling people mm-hmm. that you're in charge. Yep. So you know when you're asking somebody out, you're you're actually telling them you're interested in them and yeah. demanding their attention. You know what I mean? If you're doing, if you're, if it's gonna be a masculine ask, you have to do it. You can't do it in like a in a in a passive way. Yeah. No. You, 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 There's no passive assertiveness. No. no, no, no. No, it's gross. Passive assertiveness is creepy. Right. 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 Actually, like passive aggressive is kind of an oxymoron. It's it's really just it's passive annoyance. It's it's not really aggressive. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like there is no word, I guess, or term as passive assertiveness, but that's kind of what it is. Is mm-hmm. like if you're you're like some dude who's hanging out. That is actually creepy. If you're some dude who's hanging out on the periphery, people are like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Dude, that creeps people, people out. There's people whose entire set, entire set, is jokes everybody's already heard before. The scene's not that big. I've heard your shit, right? If, if I've seen you around, I've heard your shit. The entire thing is the same things I've already heard, and then yelling at the crowd of people who've already heard this, wondering why they're not laughing, right? Especially if it's something a little. You talking bit... about me? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm, I, I don't. I don't want to call. I don't want to call specific people out because. Just Brendan Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> this a lot is with people that you're not allowed to call out, right? Oh, like yeah. if it's like someone who's a racial minority or a sexual minority or you know orientation minority, or whatever. Sure. Like you, someone who's trans sure. doing stand up or a vulnerable fat person. or what? Yes, you so you you can't. You're not allowed to like call. I've seen people get on stage and they're just not writing great jokes. It's literally it. Anybody can make anything funny. Like everything's life is a tragedy. Everything's fucking funny. Literally, if you've ever been on mushrooms and you find everything hilarious, it's because it actually mm-hmm. is. Yep. <laughs> That's actually how things actually are. And I've just watched like a black comic or a trans comic or whatever that you like. You can't say anything <laughs> without being like just suit you. I'm not yeah. putting myself in that position. But they're like, oh, you don't like trans people. Like, no, 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 no beef with trans people whatsoever. I like you very much personally but the joke totally sucks and always has all 80 times i've heard it well yeah and also like so i used to think and actually my suspicions were true motherfuckers hated me in chicago (laughs) 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 um that would be a word yeah 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 yeah, yeah, true 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 present tense are you left (laughs) or beloved yeah but um and i i it felt personal at times but like what what really was it was I allow myself to feel offended on stage. Right. And they respond. Because honestly, I'm going to be real with you. Like, uh, what was that, Mike? Hidden Shamrock? Or, yeah. or, or not Hidden Shamrock. Um, the one, Sheridan, the coffee shop. Oh, I mean, Emerald City. Such inside baseball. Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah. but like, because people from Chicago listen to this. It's like, yeah, I remember one time Alex Dragovich was in there naming names. He just gave me this look like, why are you even up here? And I was like, I fucking hated him at that moment. Like, like every every part of my soul did not like him. But really, like, here's the thing. Did I deliver it like a boss? No. Did I call him out? No. Is that, that passive assertiveness shit? Me now, I'd have been like, dude, what the fuck? Why are you laughing at my shit? <laughs> and I'm pointing directly at you, bro. Because it's not, they're generally mad at the audience but they're mad at particular people because mm-hmm. we feel like particular people aren't letting us in and sometimes they're not yeah. but have the balls to call them out all the way specifically mm. you know like don't be like this nebulous thing it's it's specific people yeah. let them know yeah. like yeah I, I feel that you pr- and yeah maybe it is who gives a shit not everybody has to like you like here's the thing if right. people are not, pre- every, not everything is for everyone no well, well here's the thing is 
if somebody is prejudiced and you want something from them, that's your fucking problem. And it's not prejudice. And they didn't like me because I was black. They fucking loved tons of different black people. They probably love Hannibal. They yeah. just didn't like me. And that was my problem at that state. So it's not the audience's problem that they're not laughing. It's yeah. your fucking problem. And yeah. it's not even, it's not that people, you being offended is always your fault. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you don't have to be. Yeah. You yeah, just don't Brendan. offend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? To be fair to you, Brendan, you were like, you know what? I'm going to start this over. I have a cup of coffee. You came back and you made fun of yourself. And that was it. Because being offended is a choice and then you unchose it. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. And also, we always say this between us is, I mean, just because you and I don't talk on the phone, but <laughs> we always say it's not what you yeah, do. Karen. It's, <laughs> where have you been? Yeah. But we always say it's not what you do, it's what you I'm do just, next. I'm just undeleting. I'm just deleting this. <laughs> <laughs> All your DMs are suddenly unsound. Like, What's up with Lemon? Yeah. But we Why don't you ever call me? <laughs> we always say that it's what you do next that counts, and it's so, so true. Anyone can get offended. Anyone can fuck up. Anyone can submit a thing that's not good. It's totally, totally fine. Anyone can fuck up a relationship. It's okay. It's what you do next that is, like, all the differences between point A and point B. Yeah, I think that, like, comedy... I think the whole process of comedy is fascinating because it's almost like a... It's like a... a, a like a factory that destroys illusions of ego because like things that you carry with you just get destroyed so fast because like you just get it just get rid it's just gets rid you of just illusions. get this immediate feedback yeah you get immediate feedback and it's weird though because i think like we live like you were just saying bill like that you know sometimes if you have a problem with some of these material it's like people who if, if if it's someone specific like you could go you could point at them or say or talk to them or any of this kind of shit that totally makes sense because it's otherwise you're just passively letting things go by mm-hmm. but it's weird because we live in an era where it feels like we're so focused on on inclusiveness mm. that it's weird because not everything is for everybody. No. But like, mm-hmm. dude, like, like there are people who, I, there are plenty of people who do, won't, don't like my material and they're called Chicago comedians. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> but there are people who truly don't like and won't get other people's material and it's just not your audience. No. And like some, and you will find your audience somewhere dude. if you, if you stick with it. If you, if you find the things that you love about yourself and you create from that space, and you're really serious about the art that you're doing, mm-hmm. you're going to find people, eventually they're going to find you. But also the trick is not to, right, you, your audience will find you, and also you can, you when you, you have to get to a point where you're entertaining yourself, right? Because you, yeah. you, have such yes. good, you have such good taste in comedy. The comedy is about taste. So when I say that I'm funnier than my set, it's because I have really good taste in comedy, so I know that mine's not great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I already know what my level is because my taste is good, yeah, and that's I, why I believe I can do this. I regret of the hardest part about about pursuing any art is reconciling your taste with your ability to create to s- fulfill that taste totally because it's not going to be good and you're going to be so aware of how not good you are and then eventually you realize what's funny about these jokes is that they're funny to me mm. in a genuine way so the sets I've had that have been the best is not because it's the best jokes anybody's ever come up with the jokes are fine yeah. but it's because I thought I was being so fucking funny I couldn't stop la- I'm, I'm the queen of laughing at my own jokes on stage and it just kind of works for me because it's I, I think I'm so funny in that moment yeah, and the well, audience thinks I'm it, funny because it, it, that's what you're doing. You're bringing them into your frame, mm-hmm. and your frame is I'm having a great time, right? Well, With or without you, yeah. I'm being so funny. And, and here, here is the truth about Karen: is Karen's actually a wizard in conversation. Like she's quick witted. I like, mean, they can hear me now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you weren't showing it, so I wanted to tell them. Um, but it, it's that like she's actually a wizard, and where there, there's a lot of people with magic tricks, she can actually be the source of those emotions, yeah. right? And it, it's a lot of you're so you're so quick on like podcasts and stuff because I did podcasts with her and Usama and <laughs> I, I, I pulled a Brendan but I was four hours deep. <laughs> 
I, I, I literally, I, I shut down. I completely shut down because they, they're both really funny. They're really quick witted, and they're meaner than me. Yeah, Bill's a loud fuck, but he's actually so so nice. And I'm like yeah. this like sweet looking person. I'm so mean. Well, because you gotta catch up to him with it. Like yeah. it's, it's yeah. funny because I was like we started going, and I just wasn't. I was I was tired. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, like had to. But, and you're also getting things ready. That's also a big thing. Is mm-hmm. getting things ready puts you in a state of like I'm need to be logical right yeah. here. Oh, you're linear. in a homework state. Yeah, exactly. That's the opposite yeah. of and so you know, like I was getting all the stuff together yeah. and everything like that. And then like the first day, Usama comes in eating a fucking sandwich right. on the mic. Oh, yeah. And and like we have a really good fucking audio guy, like one of the best in the biz. And I'm like, I'm like, hey guys, let's stop dicking around. And then and the, I, te- I text Karen. I text Karen during the pod, right? And I'm like, hey Karen, let's stop dicking around because you know like Jay's like really expensive on the road. She's like, oh yeah, okay, keep dicking around, got it. <laughs> Dude, that's so real. Like earlier today, I was doing, I got like, a, I had to do a whole bunch of work as soon as I got it this morning. I go to a cafe and I like start, start like typing away and I'm like typing and all this shit. And then like Zach, who's the production partner on, on Funny Planet shows up and he walks in and he's like, hey, buddy, how you doing? And I was like, hi. Like, and I just went right back. And he was like, what's, and then, like, so we're walking down the street and he's like, is, some, is everything okay? Like, what's the problem? I'm like, dude, I'm in like a production focused, writing emails, doing shit. Like, my, it takes you a minute to like get out of this headspace and yeah. into the other headspace. I mean, it just well, happened to me yesterday where it was like, I was taking the lead on the show, right? The show that we were all, all three of us doing. And, and um, it kind of fucked me up to be organized <laughs> you know it was kind of the opposite of how i'm funny which is like a little chaos like you know humor is chaos mm-hmm. like you 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 say funny things because your mind jumps around it's yeah. the exact opposite of having an outline and points you want to get to and you know a timeline that needs to be stuck to it's weird but part of being a professional is doing the both of those things i don't like yeah, I don't yeah really you're reconciling those two worlds at the same time and yeah. and knowing your triggers right yeah. so like i think a big thing is is being able to get so like uh i used to not drink whenever i used to go out like for like a while because I would just drink too much and it would just make bad habits, right? So I would have to, we, me and my friend would literally do improv games before we go out to get our head yeah, yeah, clear yeah. and just free and loopy because the, the thing is, is like the worst thing you hear in a, in a bar is a logical conversation. Oh, it's R- the worst. The worst. Like it's just like, you know, like, oh, so you went to okay. NYU. Yeah. That is cool. It's philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing, like, nothing makes women wetter than a whole bunch of logical questions. Yeah. Right. And, and so like, you know, and like the best times would be like, look at this, man. <laughs> and, then, and then you're just you, it's even in the tone of your voice that's another thing I realized so much about yes. stand up was like I could tell how experienced somebody is at stand up by the tone of their voice on stage mm-hmm. like how fearless it is or how much are, are and also there's a, even a different because people are like you want to project like you're confident I can even tell when you're projecting like like you're when it's your actual funny voice like you're like yeah you know you're just yeah. like there and like the thing is, is one of the funny things is when I get too logical with my set um and I, I wrote down all these like really meticulous jokes. I have to remember the jokes, and remembering is not funny. It will destroy your set. Yeah. Oh, Rem- yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it comes from a different part. It comes from the neofront cortex, and we elicit a lot of the components of somebody who is lying. Yeah. Because a person mm-hmm. who's lying has You're to remember what they're thinking. saying. You're exactly. You're the audience so fast. There's they're like, natural distrust. Guy. Your eyes move up, all the stuff. Your movement is like mandatory. Yeah. It's like. You I know. remember. It's so funny because I've known you for so long. I remember when you would do that on yep. stage. Yes. Hey. Chair almost broke again. That chair. I can't wait till he gets impaled. Sodomized. I ate it so hard at um it's called Philly Comedy Club. It's like a room that they turn into a comedy club every weekend or whatever. That um I mean, it does it. A, a booker from uh, New York Comedy Club books it. 
yep. right, from like afar. So he booked me one day. Didn't never book me after that, but <laughs> I um, was featuring for my friend Kate Wolf, who is such a funny comic, and she's such a she's got jokes. But she's also such a brilliant off the cuff person. And I just ate it hard the for like two shows. I ate it so hard because I had been, first of all, I hadn't interacted with anybody all day. I like woke up in the hotel, went to get something to eat, um, you know, did my little thing, sat in a cafe alone, wrote my whole set out meticulously, every line, moved it around. And then I was like, must remember, da da da. I was still looking at my notes by the time I got to the club. Oh no. And then just I was about all to in go the front stage, of your brain. Just trying to cram it in there because not trusting myself at all. And then I get on stage, eat it. Of course, how, how, was, how was I supposed to not? A new comic with material that's just okay, totally in her head, not being herself and funny. And there was just no fucking... Also, it's a hard room. It's a weird, long room. Oh, yeah. So you're staring at basically a wall, and then the audience is, like, to your left and right. Oh, and man. they're all drinking and eating. It's bizarre, right? There's Sounds like, like a shaft in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> Every room I know like that has oh, gone out of business. But mm. this place is still sticking around. It has the potential. But anyway, then Kate goes... I get off stage. I feel so stupid. You know, you're just humiliated i'm like what what am i doing what is the point i'm just gonna go kill myself kate was like all right first of all relax <laughs> she was like here she was like what you should do is she goes just throw out those notes write like one word for each joke like one thing that just you have to hit this 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 and that and that's your whole set and then you just you have to get to those points but the way you do is totally up to you and just go for it and just go from there don't 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 worry about all that shit you, you already know your own jokes so i did it had a great set right mm -hmm. after that yeah it's it becomes extemporaneous and you start speaking from like this realer place i remember the first and time you start talking to them you yeah. have to talk you have to, to them. you start having an actual connection with the audience you versus you just like talking and staring yes. above everyone's head well but, you can't recite your shit and my ex also used to say the comic would was like don't make the mistake he goes because after you kill you're setting yourself up for a bomb because he goes don't make the mistake of turning last night's audience into tonight's audience they're, mm. they're different you have to talk to them yep yep it's good advice yeah it's great advice i take it sometimes <laughs> what, what what i think is really interesting about what you said talking to them is i've noticed this new wave of comedians and and i say new wave is just like our current generation mm. is so afraid of crowd work everyone's petrified of crowd work because it's outside of their cone of control mm. but crowd work will set you free yeah crowd work crowd work literally is it's it, the best part of stand-up best part of stand-up and if you're not doing it if it's not part of your set if you're like oh, oh, oh and if you're trying to be funny off the back like it's so weird you know what i'm talking about those aggra the, 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 well, the aggressive the aggressive oh hey how How's it going? Like you, where are you, you from? You, yeah, where are you yeah, from? Yeah. Where are you from? Yeah. We get it. Yeah. And and it's even in the way in which you're asking where are they from or whatever, or you're that trying to see the Please be from somewhere good or bad. I don't care. Yeah. Or it, like or when people the worst is like when people there'll be com comedians on stage will be like, Where are you from? And then somebody's like, I'm from Delaware and they're like I don't know anything about Delaware. And then they move on. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, man. Dude, and, and, well, and the thing is, is to just keep, Why did you go there? Yeah, just keep asking, <laughs> right? Like, And you just give it up for Delaware or whatever. But like, the thing is, is that one of the things that I want to get better at doing is integrating my bits into crowd work, right? Which is not that hard. It's like, you look like the kind of guy who watches cuckold porn, right? And then, <laughs> you know, and then because then you make that assumption. That's kind of funny. You might look like that guy, right? Then, you know, no matter what his answer is, it's in the frame of your joke. So it feels organic. And the thing is, is most of us have been funny in conversation. Con I remember having the epiphany that I have already I've already been the funniest I've ever gonna be as a person because I've been really funny off stage. Yep. I've, I've had people laughing. So it's just about capturing that guy. 
And then and putting him in front of people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Something else that my ex said, which was so profound, was that he goes, stand, just doing stand-up, starting to do stand-up is the process of getting back to being as funny as you were before you started stand-up. Yes. Yeah. How fucking deep. Like, it's so true. You're like, I'm funny, I can do this. Bam, you're not funny at all. Yeah. You're the least funny person who's ever lived. And yeah. you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? Because you have to, we've talked about this before, you have to create all of that context. Mm. Because it's weird. It's not, you, you, you have to, you go, you have to go through a process of letting go of trying to perform to what you think you should be doing. Mm. And that that frees you to be who you really are. But at the same time, you're going through a process of creating to every audience that you play is different. Yeah. But you have to make them your audience. Yeah. And how do you do that? That's a whole process in and of itself. Well, it's but like, you have to... F- you have to hit that wall over and over again in order to get better yeah. because it's it's you know you ha- you need to start with the plans and the notes and everything and the building blocks and from the you know bottom up and then you're like oh okay so i built this thing and then the set went well or whatever you know a good set's not because you thought of every component it's yep. it's it's top down it's not bottom up but you have to build it from the bottom up in order to be good enough at comedy to just get in there and do your thing and then afterwards you go oh this is what I did I established frame here I did that but you weren't actually thinking those things when you did that no you were just doing them you were responding in the same way that people do you know play sports and things like this you're just responding in the moment to lots and like thousands and thousands of bits of stimuli and mm. it's so much that you can't actually think it through in the mm. moment because no. you're good nope. it's gonna fuck you up it's it's, it's too much going on that you have to just accept subconsciously like you're getting all these cues from you know you can hear the comics talking in the back there's wait staff there's lights in your face the stage is a certain way and you yet have to the stay audience focused is doing stuff. On, great yeah. this person's laughing that person's whispering to her boyfriend like there's all this shit mm. you have to take in at once you can't really think about it yeah one of the things about bombing too which was the hardest part which I didn't understand how violent it is is to your self-esteem at first because oh, it's like, just crippling yeah because you, you you know i always people people was like what does it feel like to bomb and i was like well like you know you have to understand this this is the primordial kind of feeling that comes up if you bombed in a tribe they not only murdered you they murdered your whole family yeah, they were like, <laughs> like that, that's it you're that, gone that's yeah. what that, so that wanting to shrink and not wanting to talk to anybody because you don't want them to catch the disease of you <laughs> that that is real <laughs> like you know what i'm saying it's not is and 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 so I didn't even realize it. Like a, my when I was in Chicago, that those two years, I was actually fucking depressed. Yeah. And it, and it fucked me up with dating. It fucked me up because like, dude, you can't just. It's awful. You can't just bomb five times a night willy nilly no. and then just and, talk to and, a fucking they, girl yeah. like you're worth something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like worse than dying. At least when you're yeah. dying, you don't have to walk around feeling like you bombed. Yeah. 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 You it's just so lost the cancer. That's yeah. it. You didn't yeah. lose to the whole room. Yeah. <laughs> what do you feel when you bomb is that you don't you... have to impress cancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you 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 put yourself out there. This is material that you you're probably still in the preciousness stage where you're like married to your fucking material. You're like, this is great. It's a great idea. It's a great. Job. I can't believe, can't wait to tell these people my amazing ideas. They're gonna love it. They're gonna love me. You do it. You tell them what you think is great in a way that you hope they think is great and then they don't like it not only do they not like it they do not like you for doing that to them oh yeah Mm -hmm. they kind of hate you and then if you got to see them on the way out or whatever there is nothing more crushing to the soul i remember once i ate it so fucking hard i've never ever bombed harder than i did this way it was like a five minute set it was the worst experience ever at stand up new york and it was a tiny audience, and it was like all foreigners, and then a group of teenagers oh, no. who had been smoking outside. I'd been on the phone with someone, and just making jokes with them, like it was, you know, it was nothing. We we're just standing outside smoking. And then when I was on stage, I was nervous, and it really showed. And these kids, this group of girls, 
started in the middle of like a sentence it wasn't a punchline just start looking at each other and laughing it is the most soul-crushing thing that's ever happened to me ever <laughs> and, and i know it's like you know people fight wars and like die of cancer and get aids and stuff but in that moment i was like no one has ever experienced anything worse than what i'm going through right now these kids are laughing at me yeah. in the middle of my fucking set yeah. it ruined me it's, i went home and cried with my boy we were in the we're in a fight we weren't speaking and i went home and he was like game all stony face i just burst into tears the fight was over yeah. <laughs> you're like, like oh my I god just did love right now. yeah <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, are you it's okay? so true. It's, it's like, like that, that quote. That's a laugh and the world laughs with you, but bomb and you bomb alone. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so true. You bomb the way that you're born and die utterly alone. <laughs> that that um the that Mike uh what was the Mike called again? Uh that Oh, that, Emerald City. Emerald City. I called Lemon. Yeah. Um because I was I was on like day 340 consecutive. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I I bombed with this one joke and I felt everybody hated me, and I was like, I was like, I, I want them to die. <laughs> I know, I, I really, I yeah, hated you them. Were so hurt. I was so hurt because I, it yeah. felt, it felt mean and pointed, just like those girls it's laughing. Personal. Uh, yeah. It feels personal. And, and, like, oh, you see me up here trying to do yeah, a thing, it, it, and you're being mean to me. Yeah, and then, and then I realized that stand up was too important to me at that time. So I yes. went home that day, and this actually has changed a lot. I wrote down everything that meant more, more to important. me yeah. than stand up. And since then, I've been on an ascent. Yeah. Like, and because, like, dude, I mean, you've eaten so many dicks since then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, but it hasn't cared because you know that it's not, you're like, yeah, it's not the most important thing. No, it's, it's not the And also, dude, I've also killed. I've also had really great right. sets. I've also had people fly out to see me. And so I don't, I'm not trying to prove to myself that I'm funny. Yeah. Right. That, that's the big thing is everybody's trying to prove to themselves I'm funny. I just accept the fucking shit. So, and you're getting information. Here's the thing the, this is a thing that new comics do a lot is they, if one joke goes bad, the rest of the set went well. Yeah. They focus on that one, one joke, joke not being perfect, yeah. right? And for me, like I had like three or four hits, one big hit last night. That's all I focus on. The rest yeah, of it right. was like, all right, like you know. I do that same. Also, it's like, sorry, go no, ahead. No, no, go. Well, I, I was just gonna say. Also, just like play the game. You know, how, yeah. you know how sets work. Yeah. Just stack your shittiest material at the beginning. Yeah. Say one thing off the cuff to get the audience on your side. Say a bunch of shit they don't care about, and then end with a strong joke. And I promise you, every time people are gonna go great set. Yeah. You know it wasn't great. Yeah. They ended strong. Nobody cares. N- nobody cares. Yeah. Just play the game. Recency bias. Don't be fucking. Don't be precious about your stupid stand-up. Stand-up is, if you want to do it for real, it's a job. So treat it like a job. Yep. You don't get, you know, if you fuck up at work, you're not, like, going to go kill yourself. You're just going to go do better Yeah, you have good time. days, you have bad days. Right. And I think that, like, that's, that's I think that's part of it is, like, you know, I had, I, I had, I, I bombed once so bad. I think that the thing that happened <laughs> to me is I that, I love like, bombing stories so much. I, um, I, I think that it's, like, as soon as you start accepting, th- there was this thing that somebody said to me in the world of pickup, actually, which was, it's not about us. It's not about approach and approach. It's about approaches. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell myself a lot when I first moved to Chicago and was really grinding that I was like, it's not about a set. It's about sets. Mm-hmm. It's not about this set. Mm-hmm. It's about other sets. Every set that I'm doing right now is practice for a show I'm going to do three months from now. Mm-hmm. And I would consistently remind myself of that. And it's true with most things in life. But like I think about sometimes when I bomb really hard. Um, which still happens because it always does mm-hmm. to people. But I had, I think back on the first time I ever really truly bombed. I'd been doing comedy for a year in Detroit. I was 17 years old. A girl came out to see me from high school who, it was like a first oh, day. Oh my God. I got up on stage. It was the worst stand up experience to this day <laughs> that I've ever had. Packed audience at Ridley's Comedy Castle in Detroit, Michigan. I got up. First joke didn't hit. I was like starting to freak out. Second joke didn't hit starting to freak out 
And then finally, I just got so in my head, I like couldn't even really remember my material. Oh, and like God. super the fucked panic, up. The panic, the panic. Oh my God. That, that empty, empty yeah. head where you so, just so go, bad. where you're just like, I should either kill myself now in front of this audience because yeah. it'll do better than my jokes. Yeah. Um, or like, I don't, like that, when you just wish the earth would swallow you up whole because it's That's literally your waking nightmare where you're like, I'm out of things to say. I'm yeah. staring at these people. It's silent. It is the worst a person could ever it do. It was the most painful thing that had ever happened to me until that point in my life. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't do comedy again. And for a or stand up for a year mm-hmm. after that happened, I, I went back to do an improv. I like did it. <laughs> <laughs> that is taking a huge yeah. L. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do that's like up. going so bad for a breakup. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna suck dicks for a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so bad, man. It was like I went back to do an improv. I, I didn't do stand up again for a year, and I think about that and I think how much progress I lost. How much material I could have been doing, how much better my stand-up could have been getting, all yeah. of that stuff, if I just didn't take it that personally. Yeah, well, I didn't do stand-up for a month after I ate it at Stand-Up New York. I just, I, I couldn't. Yeah. I was so upset. I didn't have any, I had, I all, my faith in myself had just been decimated. I needed some, like a new job. I just needed something before I could get yeah. back out there. something to get you going again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Bill. Uh, it, it's just one of the things that I think also is really important for comics to do is... I, I know people quit because they feel like the scene doesn't like their jokes or like that they f- are forced to do that type of comedy that they don't want to do to be successful. And that's all in your fucking head. Mm-hmm. And there might be a higher barrier to entry for a certain type of material that you're doing, but like you just need to pay it. And Drew Michael is like, I really like his comedy and a, a mutual friend of ours had done a lot of shows with him and he was like, can, can you just not bomb right before I go? Because <laughs> apparently Drew Michael like would bomb stupid fucking bad right stuck all the life out the room but that's why he <laughs> he, he would pro- produces some of the best jokes i've ever oh, yeah. heard and it's because he he literally the has takes it to that place yeah. mm-hmm. and every comic i really love bombs stupid hard yeah. and all the comics i'm like eh, they never yeah, they, never they, do, they, never they, try to go for that yeah, goal yeah and so like to me it that that's what it's about it's about cultivating that fear, fearlessness and that's what godfrey godfrey said that uh to me he was like he was like i've just been losing fear that's it. Every I've become more and more fearless, and you have to earn fear. It's not going to come by proxy yeah. of just like not doing. You do stand up for a long time, and you can still live fearfully. Just like somebody can live to hundred and still not be fearless, yeah. right? It's like how far are you willing to take some stuff? How far are you willing to like get um, weird? Or mm-hmm. and and how much can you trust yourself to pull it back out of it? Right. right? And that's all stuff that's in your control. But getting better at stand ups not in your control. Just like getting better at anything's not really in your control. Mm. The things you do to get better are yeah. in your control. Mm. You can, you know, try to, you know, memorize words, learn a language, or, you know, work out and get more fit. But the actual level of fitness increases without your participation. Mm. You're just doing the exercises to get there. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So That's if you deep. just bomb, 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 set, 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 force yourself to go up every night, mic shows, whatever... Um, yeah, it's a grind. That's why they call it that. But and and no, you're not gonna think your way better. But you are gonna get better because you're doing those things. Yeah, you can't be an engineer mm. about it. No, no. It, nothing works. And also, like the hubris of you thinking you can, you know, yeah. that's not how anything works. I used to think like that though. Hubris. Isn't it though? I, I, I sound so smart right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that that was my mistake initially. Was I thought I could outsmart everybody by outgrinding grinding everybody. I thought like literally, it's paid. Um, getting good at stand-up is paid in sweat. When I realized it's like kind of just paid in what, in whether, number one, this is one thing, also how you dress matters and how your life is offstage matters. I got more confident and self-esteem offstage 
translated on stage. Totally. I wasn't enough of the dude I needed to be. Because you weren't attaching all of these, all of this well-being to the outcomes of what happened on stage. Exactly. Anymore. And also, you're not different when you're on or off stage. Like, that's something that new, it's just endemic to, like, endemic to new comics, it's just what it is, is that you're so different on and off endemic. stage. Endemic! It yeah. is a disease. <laughs> Great word, yeah. right? <laughs> Seasoned comics, like veteran comics, are either the same person on and off stage, just a little heightened, and you're like, wow, mm. you're a fucking spectacular or their character mm-hmm. you know on stage yes. and so they're intentionally and they, and different they know yeah. that character but yeah. it's it's intentional right yeah. it's not an accidental difference yeah. and that that's the thing it's like you you have to loop back around to who you actually are it's hard because we have so many reflexive um survival mechanisms to not die when we're on stage it literally feels like you're gonna die so you're like okay well what's gonna make me die is being myself i don't trust that so i have to be some other i have to be a girl that goes so what about abortion like okay so that's not my you (laughs) what about my vagina talk about abortion (laughs) vaginas all day long but make it you yeah Mm Uh, this is, I feel like we should wrap up because we're heading up on time on this pod, but this is amazing, man. And anyone who's not a comic is going to want to kill themselves (laughs) listening to this. Totally, totally. Uh, where can everybody follow you guys and what should they watch out for? Um, you can catch me on Twitter, Karen Kardashian, K-E-R-E-N, Kardashian, you already know, and then Insties, Karen Margolis, K-E-R-E-N-M-A-R-G-O-L-I-S, and then watch I post spots and everything. I'm always doing spots in New York. Yeah, and me. And Race Wars podcast. Check out Race Wars. Yeah. It's a good podcast. It's a great podcast. Um, I, you, can, <laughs> yeah, you guys can find me at uh, Bill Betweet on Twitter. That's disturbingly real. <laughs> uh, and also <laughs> at Bill Betweet on Instagram. Be on the lookout for the Frame Control product. It's going to be in every household pretty soon. Learn how to manipulate people into doing what you want. Look up for the Power Bible my co-author on this joint. The Hell yeah, po- you do. We murdered that shit. It's the most timeless classic ever. I think it's going to go uh, the Power Bible, then the actual Bible <laughs> in history. Yo, this book's going triple platinum. Triple platinum. <laughs> and actually, um, look out for Badland Chugs. <laughs> That's so insane. Oh, my God. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Bye.